everyone, and welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Wednesday live broadcast brought to you by Frontline Gaming. We are your hosts, Kicker, the chief of cereal and sigillator of the FLG, and I'm Seth the Mad Doc, your competitive correspondent. Kicker, bud, how have you been doing? Nope. I am doing swell, guys. If you are listening to our podcast, you should be watching us live every Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You get the cool visual elements, and more importantly, you get to be part of chat. And yes, chat is integral to our show. We love you guys. We're going to be asking you some questions throughout tonight's show. We do not have Nikki D this week, so so bear with us. Our, our responses to chat might be a little bit slower since we're just a two-man band tonight. But guys, I got to say, I... I, I I, I achieved a new, like, like I guess a new achievement in the in the world of hobbying and 40k, and that is that is when you um, cause blood to leak from your body because you've hit a spiky bit. I have been playing this game forever, but I've always placed the good guys. You know, we don't have spiky bits on a lot of the Space Marines or the Imperial Guard, but I uh, the, the the stupid lance, the lance of the the Rough Riders, man, ah. just drew blood all over my hobby table, um, and I was actually very proud. I'm like, yes, boom. I've, but I've uh, I've had to go to the ER because of uh, some hobby. Are accidents. you serious? But was that because you hit it yourself with? Because I've cut myself with exacto knives like many times. Like you know, my thumb I mean, like I took the top, tip of my finger off and had to get it sewn back on. He's <laughs> okay. You, you win that battle, my friend. Uh, but it's never been an it. actual miniature that has caused the bleeding. Normally, it's like a tool. So this was the the little sharp, uh, I guess, frag grenade lance <laughs> thing that that got me. I, it, I do want to talk highly about... effective against infantry. Then. <laughs> it is highly effective. Yes, it is very highly effective. Uh, so just word of warning to any of you guys out there that are they're hobbing on some uh, some spears for your Rough Riders. But I do want to show you this. Can we show my, my hobby progress for the week? I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my proud. best. Here we go. I'm clicking the button. Technology, technology. Does it work? It oh, works. There we go. Look at that. Seth, for those listening, do you want to describe what you see on my work desk right there? I see the most depressing model in Warhammer 40K, <laughs> the Roigel Dorn battle tank, which makes me a sad orc. Oh my gosh, it's such a beautiful model. This it is. is number it two is. for me. Uh, and if you yeah, see, you in, the see one in the background, hiding yeah, there's there's the finished one. Yeah, <laughs> the, the one in the background because I mean I, I like to like I don't know I like to have my first one that I was done there so I can kind of you know quickly I don't have to think about what I painted I just yeah. like kind of follow the the instructions in front of me. You know, every uh, time I yeah, see a in the tank, I'm always impressed when someone paints all the rivets. Yeah, right. It, it, that is the, uh, it, it takes a long time, right? I do paint every single damn rivet, but then I just go over quickly with a, a dry brush and it, it's good to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Seth, if you look in the cockpit there, I use the brand new tank commander mini that oh, was yeah. in the Canadian upgrades thing. And I, I mean, the model's so cool. So yeah. you've got the Dorn, which is already a cool model. And now I have this cool, like, like very, you know, formal looking, yeah, <laughs> you know, character up there. So very big fan. What about you, Seth, though? I, I know you've been busy, right? I mean, you, oh, I you, you've been playing, you've been hobbying. Yeah. What's going on with you? I forgot that I have to do you know show stuff now. Um, yeah. I I I didn't get a ton of hobby done because this past weekend I was actually at the Mayhem GT, um, had a good time. Um, ended up going three and two there. Uh, we'll talk about the games I lost more in the main segment, but overall had a good time. I uh, kicker, I got to introduce a lot of people to the beauty that is Bucky's. Yes, uh, because there's yes, a Bucky's in my yes. town now. And so I was going to Atlanta meeting up with a few friends, uh, Stephen Cosgrove and Thomas Bird. And and I was like, do you guys want to bring some road snacks from Bucky's? And they said, oh, well, well, Stephen was like, I've never been there. So I literally bought oh. every style of of beaver nugget they sold. Can you, Seth, because we got a lot of international folk yeah. that, that probably are not familiar with the um, the mecca that is Bucky's. Uh, why don't you give a brief description of what Bucky's is for those not in the so, know? So Bucky's. Uh, it's like a it's like a gas station in a in a in a large grocery store had a baby, um, yeah. 
because it's got like a hundred gas pumps and like the grocery like they have like you know a hundred restrooms like it's it's huge but they also do a lot of their own like they have some merch you know some some like tumblers and shirts, Dude, that's an but then they like, do they a lot of their own so unique food that's just theirs that you don't get anywhere else and that was kind of the the appeal is it beaver nuts that's the thing you're talking beaver about nuggets oh sorry <laughs> Beaver nuggets, beaver nuggets. But they all, they they also. I mean, they also have like fresh barbecue on, on site, you know. And and when you're saying merch, dude, they have more merch than Disney World. All right, it is oh, yeah. insane the amount of stuff you can get with their beaver logo. You know, it's it's well, absolutely. I, insane. I addicted several more friends to to right. after that. So nice, nice. that was my weekend. But uh, kicker, why don't we get into uh, what's been happening with uh, the industry? Yeah, guys. I mean, this is pretty integral to, to my job and, and, and tournament goers. We've got information, official information on the 10th edition terrain and how that's going to impact uh, the game. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't want to go too in the weeds. Most people in, in, our, uh, in our audience are literate and they've probably been online and have read the rules on Warcom. Yeah. So we don't need to go into the weeds. But Seth, give us like the very quick, you know, one minute spiel of how, uh, you know, terrain is going to be in 10th edition based off of the, the reveals. From, so far. from what they revealed, the main thing is is the benefit of cover is being re- is simplified to just adding one to your saving throw and can never take you better than a three plus. Yeah. Um, so no Marines standing on cover becoming a two up armor. They did have uh, a few examples of different terrain types, uh, which was interesting because n- they're going away from keywords like we have right now with like obscuring and breachable mm-hmm. and, and light cover and all that. And they're just saying everything gives the benefit of cover. And then these different terrain types have additional rules. So ruin, crater, barricade, debris, uh, things so like you that. basically classify a train of one of six uh, categories, and yeah. that's it. It comes with the the built-in rules that come with yeah. that type of train. And, and to be honest, that's kind of how a lot of us were already doing it already. Like literally this weekend, I would walk up to the table. It was a player-placed event. Um, my opponent and I would go, this is a ruin, this is a ruin, this is a crater. And we knew what keywords are commonly associated with them. We just didn't say, this is a ruin with obscuring, breachable, scaling, light cover, and defensible. We just said, this yeah. is a ruin. So it, it's like GW is kind of doing what the community's already been doing, I think, and kind of condensing a lot of those into just one simple source. And there's a big change that I noticed immediately being a, a guard player with a pretty weak weapon skill uh, and, and ballistic skill, I mean, and, well, I guess weapon skill and ballistic skill. And I want to see what chat thinks, but it looks like there's no minus one to hit penalty shooting through woods. Did, did you notice that, Seth? Um, I'd have to go back and look. I didn't I didn't check that part out. I've kind of, okay. just, you know, yeah. I was, I was chat keep us honest. Yeah, chat keep but, us honest. Is there is there a, a hit penalty for shooting through woods? Because I, di- I didn't see it. And like, that's something that I'm terrified when I see one of those giant forests in the middle of a table. I'm like, well, I'm not hitting anything today. What's chat saying? Uh, well, our our famous producer, Nikki D. Williams, is in chat. But uh, downvoting people says there is still is minus one to hit in woods. Okay, cool, cool. Well, then that, that's good. Because I, I, I was kind of like, well, because Xamarin like, might be kind of too boring if there's nothing like that. And, yeah. and did they say about craters? Craters are going to be giving you cover, right? Will they be given movement, uh, movement penalty? I don't know, chat. Let's find out. Chat, does, yeah, right. does I'm not, I have too many windows open right now, chat. I'm yeah, afraid I, I clicked the wrong button. This whole thing falls apart, okay? So right, chat has anybody. to tell me, do yeah. creators have uh, any movement modifiers? What is nice, though, is the cool rule that if you are on, um, I guess, on six inches or above, shooting down on something on like oh, yeah, ground level. Fire. Yeah, they added that yeah, one. That's it. You get an additional AP, which is huge. I mean, think about it. Now you're up in the tower, shooting down. Your your gun's going to be more impactful, and I love that rule. No, it makes you don't need the... more AP, sir. You need less AP. 
You need I will to take add to my armor save when you shoot me. Those are flashlights you're using. <laughs> I, I don't know. My, my little flashlights can yeah. definitely use the AP, so I'm stoked about that. Let's uh, chat. You keep on, keep, keep, you know, keep on <laughs> making sure that we don't go in the wrong direction there. But let's talk about the other big uh, announcement, which is this brand new winged Tyranid Prime. So this is a winged. It, it looks like a character. I'm assuming it's going to be a yeah. character. I don't know anything about the it, rules wise. No Prime's rules have been announced. Characters before, I believe. Dean's okay. in chat. He's a nid player, but yeah, Dean, Dean and chat. Please tell us where a prime is on the the hierarchy of of the the bug race. There, uh, what we do know for a fact is that this pose is extremely functional. Mm -hmm. Seth, I don't know if you noticed it, but the first time I saw this this image of this brand new model, I'm like, look at those wings. They're folded up. They're not like jabbing out, like sticking out. That's going to be a big target. It's going to be a pain in the ass to transport. Like Bellacore, beautiful yep. model, but transporting yep. that model with those wings is a pain in the ass. Also, just having him on the table, you're like, I see his wing, and you're like, Yeah, exactly. because <laughs> yeah. ten inches yeah. wide, and you're like, well, Oh god. Well, well, this guy is like, Okay, my wings are all folded up. It's kind of like a bat thing going yeah. on here, and, and I love it, man. I yeah. love it. It's uh, definitely a much more functional model. I mean, I remember, oh, uh, was it seventh or eighth edition? Yeah. Remember the Tyranid talk screen that has like the tentacles that come way out? I literally yeah. had a friend that uh bought the kit and i magnetized the tentacles because he was just like these are going to break constantly yeah yeah totally 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 yeah. so i'm not sure if that was done purely for aesthetic reasons or because gw realized you know what people are tired of these wings sticking out from behind buildings and getting snapped off so let's just make something more functional yeah, but anyway it's, it's um, something a little different it's something a little yeah. little favorable dean does confirm that this is like a uh Primes were character versions of warriors, so a little okay. higher up the scale, but not quite at like a high tyrant level. Okay, there we go. There we go. Yeah. So he's not a high tyrant, but he is a character kind of high leader. Tyrant. Thank you, Dean. Learn, learn high, the bugs right. that you're killing. High. Hi. <laughs> know Hi. your enemy. <laughs> uh, all right. So we've got for pre-order this weekend, we've got uh, the World Eaters. They're getting a nice, I guess, combat patrol. Is it a boarding mm -hmm. action? It's a, it's a combat patrol. I They're done with the boarding action. So now we're on the combat patrols. Uh, yeah. Looks like there's a lot of value in this box. You've got the the, the beloved leader riding the, the, the rhino thing. I don't know anything about corn and what these things are called. But you've got a bad guy riding a, a robotic demon yeah, you've, thing. You've got the, the, the Jugger Lord or the Lord Invitatus because yeah. that's a dual kit. You've got a unit of uh, jackals, and it looks like two units of corn berserkers, two units which of berserkers, a lot of, yeah. of uh, world leaders lists I'm seeing have been running between like 15 and 20 berserkers and a back unit of jackals and Lord Invocatus. So I think this is a pretty good uh, deal if you're trying to get into them. Um, yeah. And, and we, have, we have Mark of, of Corn in chat saying this is a box all world leader players need to start for sure. So. There you go. Yeah, um, and we're in this weird lull, right? Where tenth we know is on the horizon. We don't know how it's going to change the rules, but all this stuff is is pretty much a staple of any good corn yeah. army. So yeah, I mean, it, it, there's wrong. not a wide model range yet with world eaters because they're a fairly newer codex, and these boxes always have some some value with them. So I could totally see, you know, if, if you were like, man, I've been wanting to hobby up a new army for the new edition, you know, grabbing yourself like two of these, like you're gonna have a solid base of. Yeah of 40 Zerkers, two characters. You can build one of each version. You got 20 Jackals, and then depending on, you know, eight bound is kind of the big thing right now, you know, but, you know, exalted eight bound, regular eight bound, whatever, you can build those up uh, when you see what comes with 10. 
Hey, Seth, I, I want to mention something that, uh, you know, because you mentioned that there's not too many models for this this relatively new army, right, mm-hmm. for this corn army. Uh, my, my buddy and, and, and Frontline Gaming Events colleague, Mike Gandolfo over at our warehouse, he just told me something pretty badass. He's taking a lot of the, the Age of Sigmar corn stuff and kitbashing it with the new 40K corn stuff and creating these epic models. So if you want to kind of add a little variety to what you, to, to, to your range, think about going to the Age of Sigmar pool to take some stuff out. There There is a lot because they – um blades of corn i think is what it is yeah someone someone in chat's gonna yell at me but there's a lot of really cool models in, in aos that you can play yeah, that you can take for in that. fact um, really our, our former uh rest in peace tech priest <laughs> um, i had some uh some corn eight or uh, blades of corn models yeah. from a, a different life experience that i sent up to him in, in, oh, that was in so the great right north so uh, i'm sure he'll be making that into some sort of champion and if you don't feel, you know, if you feel like you've got your army ready to go for 10th edition and, and you're just kind of sitting down and waiting, you can always try the new Underworlds. They've got this weird hollow uh, that's uh, looking pretty cool. Yeah. I'm not a, a, a Zinch fan, but there is a really badass Zinch wizard thing that you could totally use in 40K if you're big into 40K. Or you could just try and play Underworlds for a little bit. Underworlds you know, GW- is a lot of fun. It's a good pick yeah. up and play game. It's it's easy to to transport because it's literally just like, you know, yeah, I have to have models. some dice cards on the board. Um, yeah. You know, I haven't played it in a, in a long time, but I do I do remember having a fair bit of fun throwing some dice around with that one. Yeah. So this week was a little light on reveals, on news, but that's because Warhammer Fest is this weekend, yeah. right, Seth? We should be having plenty to digest next week. Yeah, I, 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 I can't talk about it, so I'm going to shut up right now. But, Seth, I'm sure there's plenty of things that uh, – we will all be excited to hear yep. and, and see. Kicker, there's some nerd stuff going on in the world. You oh my gosh, that? yeah, there is. Okay, so you, you know we love 40K, we love tabletop wargaming, but the world is bigger than just tabletop. We're talking about The Witcher, guys. Uh-huh. Season three, yes, that is coming. Woohoo! Yep. I, Mandalorian that ended. Yes, I'm seeing in chat people are like, oh, what happened to Mandalorian? Mandalorian ended the season finale was uh, last week. Now onto a new show, The Witcher. Um, Seth, I don't have you ever seen The Witcher? Come yeah, on, you must. I've, have seen- I've watched the first two seasons. I like the first season more than the second, so Agreed. We'll, see. Agreed. we'll see if the third gets me back into it or not. Um, yeah. I was kind of on the fence we'll at the end of the second. It was just kind of, yeah. it, it pacing-wise really dragged for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, fair enough, fair enough. Well, but that's not um, Henry's fault. Don't get me wrong, Henry. chat. That is not Henry's fault. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. So so, so say we wanted something a little bit more um, what's educational, but still in the geeky realm. Let's go with a, a based on a true story, the Tetris movie. Yeah. Dude. Epic movie. Absolutely epic movie. Did, did you see it, Seth? No, but I got to check it out because I, I do like retro video games. I used to collect them. So I I know vaguely the story, but I'm, I'm definitely interested to dive a little deeper. The story is insane. The fact that this movie is based on the true story of Tetris, which, first of all, we all know what Tetris is, but the story of how Tetris got to be where it became in Game Boy and everything is, is just absolutely insane. The movie was more of a... Uh, like almost like a, like a combination of a thriller and um, I don't know. It was really really good stuff. So check out uh, the Tetris I'll trailer. Check it out. Oh oh oh! And, and Seth, I see in notes you added something. Uh, please please share. Kicker, please share. Kicker, are you are you like a, a a DC fan or a Marvel fan? No, but I love running. Okay, well, <laughs> um, they they put out the second Flash trailer this week yes. and. I was pretty pretty solidly on board with this film before this, uh, mm-hmm. and that trailer took it home for me. Um, for you, they're doing the the Flashpoint story. I don't know if anyone in chat has ever done that hurt, done that story in the comics, but it's basically the Flash goes back in time uh, to save his parents um, from his, when he was a kid. His 
his mother was murdered and his dad was framed for the murder and went to jail. So he goes back in time to stop it. And he basically like accidentally rewrites the history of the world in doing so. Um, which is awesome. You're going to go excited. Just said, I love it. I love it. Which, like, which is awesome because what it allows them to do is they have Ben Affleck, Batman, but when he rewrites the world, it's 1989 Michael Keaton Batman. <laughs> no way. It Are is. It's amazing. So it's it's super cool. Um I'm I'm really excited to see the story. Um I I know Kelsey's pointing out in chat that the the actor that plays uh the Flash has had a number of personal troubles. And so I'm not sure if the studio's gonna continue the story past this one, but it looks like they've done a really good job with this one. So. Sweet, sweet. And I mean, you get uh, you get Michael Keaton back as Batman, so what more could you want? Because that you is our childhood kicker. Just do that movie. Just just yeah. do that movie. Right. Um, uh, I'm, I'm literally getting a Facebook message uh, directly because somebody does not want us forgetting to make a very important announcement. Guys, Dune. Yes, Dune. The, the second part the, it has just – they haven't got a full trailer. I was going to wait till next week. I, I saw the little mm-hmm. – like, it's like a mini trailer. It's kind of a tease, teaser. But, yes, Dune is, is formally set up to go uh, with the second part, I think, in November. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that that first one. I'd, I'd watched yeah. some of the older versions back when I was a kid, but that really, like, really made me want to go read the books. But I have too yeah. much on my to-be-read list. Oh, jeez. Uh, well, uh, I, I don't blame you, man. There's a lot of good stuff out there to read. So let's talk events really fast, guys. BAO, I wanted to make the formal announcement of our judges because people were asking, hey, like, who is the judge? Uh, so we're going to have, yeah, Adam Solis, Frontline Gaming Head Judge. And yes, I say that as Frontline Gaming Head Judge. Adam Solis has officially joined, uh, I guess, the, the the formally joined the team, and, and he is part of our staff now. So he is the, he's going to be a, a central focus for most judging things, whether it's at the event or before events. And so Adam Solis will be there with Keith French. You guys know Keith French. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. You know and love him. And then for Age of Sigmar, of course, we've got John, a uh, local guy from there. And he is he is uh, quite the hothead in terms of he loves spicy food. And he'll oh. probably bring you bottles of, of spicy, solid, so, hot so, sauce. Uh, would, would John like people in chat to bring him spicy things? Yes, if you're going to Age of Sigmar at at the BAO, bring your bring your lovely TO some hot sauce. He will be very appreciative. Yeah. And oh, oh, in Legion we've got Nima. Nima is a you know I, I know that Seth, you and I are not huge Legion players, mm-hmm. as in that we've never played Legion before. But Legion in the BA the Bay Area is pretty awesome, and Nima spearheads that. Let's talk about ACO because we just finished talking about Legion. Let's talk about ACO. ACO, guys, we just went live today with this limited edition event exclusive Star Wars Legion yeah. mat. That is ins- right. Look at this thing, man. Right. I, the, our, our Legion team in the uh, in the Northeast designed this mat, and it's only going to be available at ACO. Guys, this is a a, a temple, a Jedi temple that you're going to be battling oh, at. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Atlantic City Legion uh, has gotten massive, and they're going to have several tables that are going to be battling inside a Jedi Temple using this mat and some, uh, you know, brand new terrain they've created. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and Lone Star Open, guys, we do have the Vanguard Tactics Workshop. Seth, your your coach, your buddy, he will be there in Texas he's, running. He's here showing us how to deal with Desolator Marines. Is he eating? Yeah, that's uh, from his, his, his actual Vanguard Facebook page. Oh like, I didn't go, like, steal anything that wasn't out publicly. I was just looking for a good photo of Seaver that I remembered he posted this. So there you go. That's how you deal oh, with shit. Desolator Marines. You just eat them. <laughs> you, just, you pick your opponent's you models up and bite them in half. Are they a Desolator Marine anymore? Guys, that is said by an orc player, by the way. Let's just, yes. just, just think of it. 
Oh, oh, cruise hammer. I keep on forgetting about cruise hammer. And it's a little too late if you wanted one of the, the fancy rooms of the balcony because cruise hammer, all the, uh, the the balcony suites, they're all sold out. There are still a few rooms left. Cruise hammer, guys, if, if, if you remember, it happens usually in the August, sometimes a little later, but it is happening in August. This one's departing out of New Jersey. Well, New York, New Jersey, that port there. And it's going down the Caribbean. And it's where you play 40K while you're at sea or any game system you want while you're at sea. There's a tournament and everything. And then while you're at port, you're going and hanging out with all your buds. So there are a few rooms left, but not many. Next week, I'll have to get a few more details because I want to share the, the the logo. The logo's pretty badass for that one. And finally, guys, the Las Vegas Open. People are bugging us. Tickets will be going on sale in June. The formal, the final official announcement will be soon with the date and, and all the information on where it's going to be at. But I'm looking for a few other TOs. We want to we, we want to expand some game systems. If you are interested in running a game, email me at events at frontlinegaming.org. You know, hey, say you want to run Battle. I, think I actually just saw someone Battle. in the community page post about that today, and I I pinged him with your email. You did, you did, you did. Thank you so much, Seth. So yeah, we're we're looking at adding a few other game systems. We can't give you as much space as we give some of the, you know forty k to Sigmar, Star Wars Legion, but we can give you a few tables hopefully because yeah. we'd like to expand to to other game systems as yeah. well. I think that's cool. All right, Seth. Well, kicker. That's yes. it for the industry news, but it's time for our signal short. And yes. this week, it's for you. Um, Ooh, I, I'm not going to bother getting it. I'm just going to trust you. You know what 30 seconds is. I'm yeah, not going to get sure. time right because, again, just too much. play the music or something. You know, music? To... Crap. I don't have the music loaded. I'm going <laughs> to uh, All right. So the question is, what are the three best pots of paint to buy and why? <sighs> oh, okay. Wait. Do I have time to think about this one a little bit? Because Your time's already started. Through. Agrax Earthshade. I know this is shade. It's not a paint, but still, Agrax is amazing. It just makes everything look better. I don't care what color it is. You put Agrax on it, it's going to look better. Number two, Stormhost Silver. That is such a a thick metal paint that goes over basically everything and and looks clean. You don't even need to highlight it or anything. And it's got a real cool sparkle. And uh, Xandry Dust, but the spray. I know we're talking about pots of paint, but the spray of Xandry Dust is like the best primer for any model. It, it's better than um, the, the gray one, Mechanicus Gray, because it just takes colors better. Anyway, I highly recommend Xandry Dust as a spray can. That Boom. is that is uh, all incorrect, Kicker. No? Uh, the what? correct answer was Monument Hobby Titanium White. <laughs> I, 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 I will say Monument Hobby's Titanium White is, is, is pretty legendary. Um, but you know me, man. I'm up on my earth tones, right? I, I like know, tones. I know. But every time I've ever <laughs> talked about white, I've been hit with like, 30 people telling me that that is the best white ever. So I just, yeah, no monument hobby is uh white is, is pretty damn good. And we might have some samples of it at an upcoming event, but I'm going to make that announcement till we can. Yeah. All right. Well, yes. Kicker. Let's get into the main segment. Uh, the main segment tonight is kind of the continuing story of my path to best in orcs, the biggest and the best general. Um, but if you remember kicker in the past, I, I told you that, I'm getting some help. I'm not on this path alone. Uh, I'm I'm working with Vanguard Tactics and Steven Box is helping with some coaching sessions and kind of going through uh, how to improve my game. So I had this event this past weekend. I went 3-0. My first day, I won three games. I played against Grey Knights. I played against uh, an Orc Mirror. And then I played against Gene Sailor Cult. And I was really worried about the big boogeyman in the meta. That was Guard and Iron Hands. This event wasn't yeah. adopting the data slate just yet, but even with the data slate, those two armies are still pretty strong. So oh, yeah. um, we're going to kind of pick up here. I, I trimmed down the interview, uh, but I have a, a good segment of, of Steven really kind of breaking down my guard game 
which uh, was streamed. Um, you can check that out uh, through the event. I'm hoping uh, Dean can drop the link on that one. Do we know who is streaming it? Who at I'm the... not sure, but that's why I'm asking Dean to drop the link on that one. Um, but then, you can, but it, but it was with a really good player, uh, a great guy named Jeremy Knox. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed playing him. He was a, a great guy. Um, but let's get right into that, and we'll be back at the end. And I'll be in chat watching you guys. So if you got any questions that I can elaborate on, uh, just hit me in chat. So tell me, how did your event go? Ah, uh, it was interesting. Um, so the, you know, we've been working on a list back and forth, um, and I, I kind of just leaned into what felt right for me list wise, um, things I felt comfortable playing. So like, I took out the commandos because I just always feel like I misplay them, and then I'm down an asset that cost me around 120 ish points depending on upgrades. Um, and I just went for things that felt good. Storm boys, Squigog boys, the, the knobs and battle wagons, um, Gretchen, beast snaggas, uh, Zagstruck, uh, a war boss, a war boss on a war bike and a, and a, a weird boy. So, I was uh, feeling really good going through the first day, but I also knew that I really wasn't playing against that many heavy shooting armies, um, with the, the gene sailors being the main one. Um, and so I, was concerned when I knew what my pairing was for the next day, which was round four. I knew I was going to get the way they did pairings, uh, a player named Jeremy Knox, who's a player on the East coast in the U S playing guard. Um, and he, this was no data slate. So he had like three units of Carsican. Um, he had like the finial with a bunch of mortars. He had, a uh, uh, an earth shaker carriage, um, and a bunch of Lehman Russes and, you know, all the, the general fixings. And I was, I was pretty concerned. Um, I got to go first in that game. I did pretty well with the player place in terms of getting my midfield staging points. I felt like, um, he was able to pick up, I think 18 of my storm boys. Um, and I want to say six or seven, uh, of my, uh, squig hogs and a battle wagon with all the shooting, which was, a pretty significant amount, but I was still, I was staged in the middle at that point and it's abandoned sanctuary. So he's stuck in his deployment zone. He couldn't come out to me. Um, and so when I walked that turn, I hit eight charges into his deployment zone, um, which really put him on the back foot. And I learned, a, uh, I thought I knew what I was doing because uh, my plan was I got to kill all the carcerkin. I got to tag as many things as possible um, and just hold him back there and I'll grind out the score at that point. Um, I messed up which unit of the Karsikin has like the Barberton's key or whatever it is that like lets them teleport. So I, I went and touched the, I killed one unit of Karsikin and then used the unit of uh, Beast Snaggle Boys with the extra pile and consolidate to tag uh, the Earthshaker carriage because it's immobile. So it's never getting out of combat and wrap another unit of Karsikin. And I thought that the thought the unit I killed was the keyed unit, not the unit I wrapped. The unit I wrapped was the keyed unit. So it picked up and dropped behind my lines and killed a war boss, a unit of knobs, and a unit of boys uh, in his turn, which really put him back in the game. So I I put that on me because that was I didn't keep my eye on the ball on that one. I got, you know, bloodlust, like I made eight charges, yes. And st- stop so much thinking about my target party just think i'm just gonna wreck all this stuff and shove him off the table and didn't pay attention to the 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 probably the most important unit in that matchup um and then i also made a mistake of uh i left a a weird boy alone on objective thinking oh i'm gonna i'm gonna fight and i'm gonna tag the mortars and it's gonna be fine forgetting they have an order for fallback and shoot 
So he fell back and shot and killed the weird boy on an objective. So I didn't really score that much primary in that game. Typically, I found with orcs that when I, I'm pushing in and I'm, I'm smashing into a guard army, I'm scoring you know, 12 is the first few turns, but I'm going to die and eventually they're going to catch up. If the turns that I was in his deployments on punching things, I was only scoring four on primary because he was yeah. using his shooting very strategically to make sure that he didn't get behind in the primary race. Yeah. So in terms of what turn was that that you pushed, was it turn two or turn three? It was turn two that I was in his deployment zone. Okay. So at that point, could you have held for another turn in the center, whether he's in his own deployment zone, can you hold for another turn? Or do you think the indirect picks up too much of your army to have uh, enough of momentum to get yeah. through? The indirect is certainly effective. Um, the issue, I think, if I held is he had enough movement with his vehicles on his flanks that he could have moved up to get angles to my my little staging okay. areas, I think. So you did um, have to push. You did yeah. have to push then which is cool. Um, so I think really what we need to do at this point is when you're thinking about, okay, yeah, this is the turn I need to push. It's going through those questions that, you know, you need to ask every single opponent, every single turn when it matters most, you, you've identified, this is your big turn. You either, this turn makes or breaks the game. Um, and obviously it was in your grasp, right? So a few questions mm -hmm. and again, it's, making sure you're saying okay which units of your army can fall back and shoot because then you know whether you tag or wrap uh because if it's a case of okay cool one unit can fall back and shoot great we'll tag multiple things and then you're limiting their fire which units can shoot into combat are there any uh which units can fall back and charge which units can get out of combat even if they're wrapped and i think asking those questions um, it's just going to help you go right ah, okay that's that unit okay right this is the unit that i have to destroy um, or sometimes thinking actually tagging that unit doesn't offer me anything because all that's doing is giving them potentially free swings, um, you know, three swings in combat. And then you might lose models that, you know, just concealing a wrap might yeah. be more important, uh, than just, you know, tagging a unit. So, um, again, it's just bringing it back, taking a moment and thinking, right, this is my turn. Let me get all my questions out. Let me yep. get really clear and concise. And then I'm going to just execute. Um, and one thing I always try and do is take, you know, a minute away from the table, maybe, maybe five minutes and just sit and think, um, yeah. and go, right, is this the and turn I'm going to make my play? I think that's a really good point you make there because that's literally what my opponent did after I hit eight charges into deployment zone. He was like, I need to not get frazzled. I need to take, like, he literally made himself step away and do that. And I didn't do that in my turn too. Um, I just saw like, oh man, there's so much on the board. I can charge it all. And I didn't take that time. I didn't, I mean, I did not manage my primary well i was just like whatever a few spare units go sit on objectives i probably should have held more back to make sure that i'm pushing up i'm getting my i'm getting him stuck in this, his deployment zone he's not coming out for a turn or two i need to leverage that advantage so yeah i i find that I, that's a, a fault i make fairly frequently in terms of like i get so excited to start playing the game i don't take that minute and we had plenty of time like we wrapped that game i think with like 30 or 40 minutes left in the round. Um, and we played out the full five sure. turns. Um, yeah. So it wasn't like we, we were struggling for time and I had to, to push up and, and move. My first turn was I shoved forward and I hunkered down and hit. I didn't waste any, any clock really in terms of management there. So I, I think, I mean, I need to make myself I like a checklist. Yeah. I don't think necessarily, um, 
holding things back would have been a good idea necessarily. Uh, you know, if you've if you've got an opportunity to pen an army in its deployment zone, so it's not getting out. Cool, score four mm-hmm. points on primary turn. You know, turn two and three, and then once you've done majority of the damage, then you'll be twelve twelve. Uh, so what's that? Twelve. 24 yeah uh, I mean, 32 points maybe some additional you can creep into the 40s but if you can massively limit their primary to four 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 you're going to win the game so sometimes having that almighty kind of push in as a combat player myself i know what that can be like to go yeah. i'm i'm just going to leave every objective you know holding an objective to me right now is no good compared to stealing my opponent's objectives or making sure they don't hold any when we get into their turn two. Um, and, and essentially, if you're winning the role of trading, uh, you know, turn two, that's quite early doors. You've got plenty of time then left in the game to get back, do actions, hold objectives uh, and kind of mop up really. So, yeah, I think you analyse the right turn to push, but tidying up a little bit of that questioning is going to just, you know, yeah, help but- a huge amount, I think, yeah. The devil's in the details. All right. That was that was a Stephen Box interview. Uh, it, it, I have the full, there was like a 30-minute conversation. I just trimmed down to that, guys, because I didn't want to, you know, take up the whole show with that tonight. But I was talking with Kicker, actually, just now. And uh, I think we're going to upload the full 30-minute to the, the channel uh, later this week. So if you want to just check out the whole coaching call and kind of what you're getting there uh, when you do that kind of stuff. Um, it's always helpful for me to have someone like because i'm like oh maybe i need to change my list and steven's like no you did pretty well you know one or two mistakes and you're back in that game um you know so it's it's that kind of stuff that keeps me on track and saving that i guess that sharing that full you know conversation online allows people that are interested in 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 things like a coaching class to kind of know what they're getting out of it because like we've all heard about 40k coaching but this is actually like this is what you're getting. You're getting this one-on-one attention on, on how to on how to get better, basically, and kind of see what you're getting. So anyway, I, I think that'd be very valuable, not just and, for entertainment. If, if I remember correctly, uh, Kicker, earlier in the show, you said if you you're going to Lone Star, uh, is yes, there, is there a workshop there? there? Yes, at Lone Star there is the workshop on Friday night with Box. There's both uh, the I, the standard ticket and the VIP yeah, ticket. I, I believe a few other of his guys will be there too. So yeah. So um, I'll probably be uploading the full call um, when I can get to that tomorrow, fingers crossed. But you'll see it on the Frontline Gaming community page on Facebook. So just keep an eye on there or keep an eye out on the YouTube channel. You'll see it pop up, um, and I'm sure I'll post it everywhere under the sun when it happens. And (laughs) kicker, guess who's in chat? Jeremy Knox, the guy I played against. Nice. Yeah. Jeremy, big guard fan here. All right, right here, right here. I, I'm so curious to know because I, I, I showed me a photo of, of, I guess, you kicking his ass. Sorry, Seth. During the, during the tournament. Sorry, I know I just said that to my phone. And, and I saw there was an Aegeus defense line in your army yeah. list. And I'm like, what the hell yeah, Kicker, is that thing doing in there? Kicker was super so, interested about that. And I was like, I think Jeremy was mostly using it to try to slow me down because it yeah. cost me extra movement on the charge. Um, but if you got those more, people, more tricks than that, uh, you know, let me know, Jeremy. Yeah, share, share them all. I knew about it was don't charge over the thing just because you them. really don't see fortification used that much in 40k period um and that was you know but anyway yeah. uh cool always cool to see seth you need to tell people what's going on in the world of the frontline gaming network because yep. we've got some stuff happening yep so folks have been asking um you know i've been i've been saying it here the last few weeks but warhammer meta chasers which was the thursday show now it's called warhammer meta chasers they're they're back in action last week was their first live episode you can check them out they have their own youtube page now warhammer meta chasers but i saw like at least two or three people posting up 
in in the community page going hey where do i find you guys and paul murphy was in there posting but you know you can check them out there they're, they're still there they're still giving you that great content giving you that sneak peek of what's coming this week are they still live on thursday nights yeah still it's still on thursdays same bat time same bat channel just different <laughs> bat name is all uh so don't worry about that um the, the other, uh, I had two more things I wanted to, to kind of highlight. Uh, Crash Course Hobbies, we talked about them before, Kicker. Um, he's he uh, Richard over there does a lot of, of more just kind of tips and tricks videos um, about the hobby in general. Um, but he put out an interesting video this week that I thought was worth talking about, which was what to do while waiting on 10th edition. Oh, I like that. Considering that we're about to get a big dump of, of info from GW this weekend, I kind of think there's going to be a lot of people that are kind of feeling the you know not feeling play in ninth right now not sure what to do so he kind of goes through a lot of stuff um one of the things he talked about doing was was uh you know work continuing just to work on your models because your models are still going to be playable or if you were trying to get that new army off the ground this might be a time to just bunker down and do hobby on a new project like that so yeah uh, but it's all he has really good production uh quality so he's always a good watch and then it's time to announce that we've added a new uh, partner to the program that Ooh. is the guys over at tabletop life uh they're damn nice uh, logo yeah, they, like they, look at that logo they, like <laughs> they do have a good logo um but they're over uh in atlanta there are a lot of the guys from the general staff uh so like thomas bird uh brad weir uh a lot of those guys they they put out a lot of good material both bat reps kind of breaking down some of the more competitive armies and thomas's does what i've done before on my channel which is like event vlogs so i think actually kelsey was asking earlier in this uh, this uh chat you know is there going to be a vlog for my trip this weekend i didn't do one but thomas did one um and i'm in that randomly because i traveled with thomas and stayed with thomas so um so go check those guys out they're a lot of fun they're they're really about a competitive play and be really, really good hobby and see really, really good sportsmanship. So they're, they're just a great group. I've been playing with them for years. So really happy to welcome them to the crew. Uh, excited to see uh, what they've got in store for their channel. But kicker, cool. it's time yeah. for the community poll. Yeah, guys. So this week we asked everyone, what army is the one to watch for this last hurrah of ninth edition? What is the army that is going to be the most competitive? Now, we post this every week on the Frontline Gaming Community Group page on Facebook. Uh, we'll share the link a few different places, but the, the, the comments that we read are only the ones on our community page because I can't jump everywhere. Uh, but yeah, we basically listed every single army or almost every. I forgot about Black Templars and I got a little flack for that. I'm sorry, Black Templars, I didn't add you, but that's okay because you probably want to be really relevant for this poll anyway but we asked what are the most competitive armies right now and that are going to be the most competitive armies for this 10th uh, right before 10th edition hits so so seth before looking at the results like rough idea where, what do you think i mean Wait, i i think in terms of like boogeyman armies iron hand space brains are still going to be really strong like they, yeah. they lost a little bit of juice in terms of secondaries but they can still just blow you off the table and you know you can't score points if you're not alive yeah um, yeah, yeah 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 gene stealer cult um the guys over at stat check pointed out the gene stealer cult in uh experienced players hands in the the current bounce data side has like a 75 percent win rate it's a very yeah. small player pool though like a dozen guys but i think in the right hands they can just be ooh. 
So. Yeah, I mean, we have a guy that goes to almost every one of our tournaments. Uh, Robin Roberts out of the East Coast, man. I love this guy. Awesome, awesome attitude and always shows up with his GSC. And he kicks butt, but he's like the only guy playing GSC at most of our tournaments. So, yeah, you're absolutely right, Seth. Yeah. In the right hands, uh, there may not be that much representation, but the people that are rock and roll in those tournaments definitely know how so, to play with them. So what, what did the community think, Kicker? What was right. their big boogeyman? So this is the community, guys, remember? So this is a, a wide range of people. We've had you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people vote today. Uh, but we're looking at number one. So people that think that people think this is the most competitive army right now and probably for the rest of the edition is Chaos Demons. And that's kind of, you know, all four Chaos Demons. Uh, by far, that is number one. But, you know, right after that, we've got Astro Militarum. Astro Militarum is also guard players. Yeah, and then we have a pretty like a, a pretty little big jump uh, down to the next three, and these are almost all tied. There's like a point difference, but they're very, very, very close. We've got Iron Hands followed by World Eaters followed by Space Wolves. So Seth, you're right. Iron Hands are up there. So we've got Chaos Demons being the most feared slash most competitive right now. Astro Militarum, Iron Hands, World Eaters, then Space Wolves. Uh, Seth, what do you think uh, thoughts on these? I mean, this is I mean, you did say Iron Hands, but Astro Militarum, come on, man, they're 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 tough. They, but they Chaos are... Demons. Chaos Demons have a couple different builds, which makes them interesting because um, in different terrain types, I was actually um, having a chat with TJ Lanigan about this this past weekend. They have builds that are viable in most terrain systems, player plays, yeah. GW, or some of the more dense ones out there like WTC. So yeah. it allows an army to, to easily kind of pivot depending on what they think their their local meta is going to be. So I think that makes them really strong. It um, makes versus sense. things like, you know, guard are good. But like, if you were on a heavy, heavy terrain table and you can only rely on your indirect, eh, maybe not so much. Um, so I, I think that's what makes them kind of they're they're able to go into basically any, any meta and and thrive. And they're with multiple builds. It also makes yeah. it kind of hard to tech against them. Are you are you dealing with the big monster build? Are you dealing with a bunch of like uh, Zinch stuff, which is three up saves? You're dealing with uh, keepers or not keepers fiends. Um, so they got a couple different builds there that can make it hard. In fact, they're good against guard because of their damn demon save. Yeah. I mean, right? Well, yeah, demons aren't so good in combat, right? But yeah. I mean, geez, that that save against all the guard shooting is is pretty damn clutch. Uh, uh, chat, tell us what you think. I'm going to read a few comments here that were posted. Martin McGregor says, hey, "Orcs always win, even if they lose." Uh, <laughs> or sure. or, or we're not at the very, very, very bottom. They were kind of at the mid-tier. They were tied with GSC and Dark Angels. So Orcs are up there. GSC and Dark Angels, just, they still feel really strong. Like, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, know, I know Dark Angels. Terminators lost their their transhuman, but, like, Ravenwing is still really devastating. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. It's really good. And uh, and James says, oh, poor White Scars. Yeah, White Scars just can't cut. Like, they, they, had, had, a they little... had their time in this edition, James. They had yeah, their they time. Had it. Now it's not that time. It's so not, it's not <laughs> Seth, I know you were monitoring some of the, the beautiful hobby progress we've seen yeah. um, uh, shared. Yeah, so let's bring up a – let me find – there we go. Bloop, bloop, bloop. So uh, I think we, we've highlighted this particular painter before. This is a friend of mine, Mike Bridgman. Um, he's a loyal Dark Angels player, and he's his lion uh, doing him in that, that old school black armor pre-heresy. Uh, so it's looking gorgeous. It's looking really good. Um, really, really liking the work. I like the really subtle um, kind of power glow effect on the sword, that kind of yeah. blue. Um, you know, it doesn't, yeah. it's not some people go like over the top, which is cool. Yeah. Don't get me wrong; it's cool. But sometimes doing a, a more subtle effect is is more challenging and can look way more realistic. So yeah, that's pretty yeah. badass. So too. he's doing a great job, and this is still his work in progress. It's not the done product, so I'm sure mm -hmm. maybe next week we'll get the, the done version of it. Um, next up, 
Uh, I pulled this one, Kicker, because I thought it would really uh, inspire you. This is Patrick <laughs> Martin's. These are, uh, I think the count is like his Gene Steeler cult bikes, but they're yeah, his yeah, cavalry. Yeah. And look, he's doing zebra stripes on them. I mean, holy crap. I love that. What what anim- What is that? What are they riding? I'm trying to like. It, I Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Like, I'm guessing those are the Death Corps kits with some yeah. Gene Steeler cult bits thrown on top of them, like the demo charges in their hands and stuff. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it, love it. I love a good kit bash, yeah. uh, especially with an army like Orcs or Gene Sealer Cult, where kit bashing is almost, you know, you've got unlimited opportunities. That, that's yeah. great. Uh, we, we have another big boy in the mix. This is from Steven Armilio, uh, doing the, the Horus Ascended model, the War Master, yes. um, which is that, that plastic uh, Horus Heresy model that came out, I think, a couple months ago. But you really Wait, haven't was, seen it. Resin. Resin, so right? When I saw that one pop up on the page, I wanted to grab it because it really is a great model. Yeah. Is I think that one's resin, right, Seth? You no, think, right? the 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 ascended version is plastic. I think. Oh, okay, cool. Wow. Chat, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought it was a plastic model. Um, Either way, we have not seen too many of these these Primark yeah. models. These Horus Heresy. Did, uh, if you remember the the Horus Heresy trailer, uh, Horus was stabbing a bunch of uh, uh, Imperial fists. So oh, he did yeah. Imperial fists on the base. Of course, you got to, you got to. So wow, chat's nice. telling me that it's uh, resin. Sorry, I guess it's yeah, resin. Fine. Yeah, those those horse heresy primarchs all you know they're super super detailed, but they're resin, and I just try to avoid resin personally. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe that's what we don't. I pulled yeah. a special photo for you for the last one. Oh, you got a special photo because uh, <laughs> chat and Facebook love to to keep you up to date on serial news. Oh, yeah, let's see. Joel Atkins put this one. Icy's cereal, and I want you to read this bottom part here. It says, "Feel the freeze, cools your mouth as you eat." Perfect, perfect. For, for those of you not in the know, I kind of love sugary breakfast cereal. Actually, I like cereal of all kinds, even not the super sugary stuff, but I love random sugary cereal crap that just sounds disgusting, but I have to buy it and try it. And an icy flavored cereal definitely is noteworthy. Uh, Seth, who, 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 who shared this? Do we know Joel the name? Atkins. And Joel like, Atkins. Strictly from a flavor profile, like ch- cherry and blue raspberry, like that doesn't sound horrible um you know you're like, just, you're like it's like you know maybe like a crunch berries yeah the cooling part that's got me confused that's the weird part right like the cooling the i, I don't know i mean i that might be a great cereal to eat dry like a munching cereal right i have a hard time visioning that with like a banana and when, some milk when I think right of cooling, i think of like mint or like menthol flavor <laughs> and i'm just like ah I don't right. know if I want to eat that in cereal. It's an after-dinner cereal. There you go. It's a dessert cereal. I mean, it's I don't know. Like, yeah, just I don't know, man. I'm gonna let you be the the guinea pig on that yeah, one. I will have to go cereal hunting this weekend for an icy cereal. This, this is great. Thank you so much, Joel Atkins, for sharing that. If you guys see other random weird cereals, or or for my or for my co-host, your baked potato toppings, because I know he appreciates a good baked potato topping. Please, please, please share uh, with kicker, us. Kicker, I have to share a comment from chat from uh, Ganny NJ. It says, "Never right. once have I thought my cereal was too hot." <laughs> so I'm really, I am really now wondering who's this icy cereal marketing to? Because you're like, never once, never once have I thought my cereal has been too hot. I'm like, you know what? You're right. It's a cold yeah. milk. Like, why is it? Or in yeah. your case, yogurt. You know, it's it's yogurt. Still yeah, cold. but, like, but who's, who's complaining? Um, and also, like, there's a lot of cool cereal ideas out there. Who the hell thought? Like, let's make an icy flavored cereal. Like, like, come on. No like, idea, there's just no idea. <laughs> Like, why couldn't they make a Waffle House cereal first? Like, why do we need an Waffle ice? House? Get on that stack. <laughs> exactly right. I'm like, still on the I we can... need to make Beaver's Nuggets cereal. 
There we go. Bucky's could be doing a cereal. All right. Um, Seth, so I'm going to be hunting this weekend for an icy cereal. Okay. Uh, you got any words of wisdom to leave our, our, our wonderful I mean, audience? I'm, I'm going to be tuning into Warhammer Fest this weekend to get all the yes. kind of latest and greatest of 10th edition. Um, I'm going to be I'm working on some models, um, doing some more 3D prints, trying to work on scale. I've been been struggling with scale for 3D prints. Um, I was doing some Luda 3D prints, and they came out like war boss size, and I'm like – these aren't going to bunch in the unit. So, you know, just, just working on that stuff. So, uh, uh, guys, if you come to ACO and you say hi, you might get a weirdly scaled 3D printed model. Might. I, I might give those away because I'm like, you know, <laughs> can't use those in my army. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like all the weird defected dice we make. Yeah, that's that's. I'll just give those to you guys at ACO, and you'll get all the weird. I'll just make random, prints. like def- like oddly scaled 3D prints, like Gretchen the size of like a dreadnought. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's about it for us tonight, Kicker. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, chat, um, and helping me through my my technical woes. But we got it all done. It all came out fine. Uh, we really hope you enjoyed this episode of Signals from the Frontline. Have a great week, and we will see you next Wednesday. Good night, guys.